Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with your host, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. Kick on back and listen to another exciting episode. It's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Oh, oh, hey, hey, it's Dr. Fuck from Thrasher Die, Combat, and Louisville Slaughter. And with me, like always, yeah, the I don't give a fuck about my liver, Wadley. How you doing, dude? Yeah, fuck my liver. You ever met my liver? Liver's an asshole. Your, your liver's like the invisible man. That's right. No, actually, my liver's like Gary Coleman because it's so black and shriveled up. Oh. What you talking yeah. about, Wadley? So, so, anyway, so uh, it is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. The underdog of all podcasts. That's right. Because actually, in reality, we stomp on everything. Not only podcasts. I'm just talking about life in general. You put anything in front of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, and it will destroy it. It would be the cure for ISIS. I want to talk about what's very important in my world, Thrasher Die. As we speak, as of and no wait, 17 minutes ago, I received the final mix and the final master, which means I can finally go to the pressing plant tomorrow and start the proceedings of getting it pressed. And here's another great announcement that was actually negotiated yesterday, but came, but now today we actually finalized it. I am going into partnership with the metal merchant, Jason Babugli, I call him. His real last name is Bojans, who is uh, wanting to start his own uh, distribution record company type thing. Though, I didn't sign to his record company or anything. I'm still in my, I own my own record company. I own my own everything. But, I'm not made of money. So what Jason is willing to do to launch his uh, record company is that he is going to release finance and release the new Thrasher Die on vinyl. Uh, and he's going to also release Poser Holocaust on vinyl, both. Now, we are going into partnership. I'm not going to have him flip the whole bill. I am actually going to put money from my own pocket into it because one thing I have realized with Thrasher Die is that Thrasher Die makes money. Now, I don't make a living off Thrasher Die, but boy, I more than break even. Uh, my my radio show is kicking ass. It comes on after this. Uh, if you listen to that, MetalStation.com. Um, and, you know, if you can't be home and listen to it, get uh, TuneIn Radio. It's an a- app. It's a free app, man. Go on your phone and and download that app. Tune in radio and then type in that metal station and bam! You can listen to that Dr. Fuck Show. And uh, my Dr. Fuck Show this week is uh, I'm taking questions. Ask Dr. Fuck. Tune in. It's on Thursdays 8 p.m. Eastern and Sundays 1 p.m. Eastern. That Dr. Fuck Show, it's doing great. Thank you all for tuning in. I thank every one of you out there. All right, Ian, so what, we got news? 
Uh, well, we got we got a few things coming up before the news. I want to thank everybody for the overwhelming response to the Kiss Psycho Circus episode. Oh my God! You know what was awesome about that show? Walter Sisnak. That guy rules. Chris Sinzak. Chris. Chris. Yeah. Si- Chris Sinzak. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. what I said. All right. Uh, well, let's get to some iTunes reviews once again. They're starting to roll in now, and we really appreciate them. All right. And I'm going to read the newest ones. All right. Uh, we got another five-star rating from Mangetti. Mangetti simply says, keep up the great work. Thank you. We appreciate it. Appreciate the five-star review. All right. The next one is from Nightwing Ken, who you might also know is our co- our special guest co-host today, Ken Mills, the Ken Mills. The Podfather. I love him. The My inspiration. He actually inspired me to start this podcast and make your life complete, Ian. You, you need to thank him. I, I do thank him daily. I try to. His five-star review is titled, Fun for Those in the Know. And he says, Ken Mills from Podcast here. I enjoy this show. If you like metal and zany crazy fun, this may be the podcast for you. I see a real heart in both Ian and Ralph, and these guys try to give you their take on all things rock and metal. They step on the pedal and take you away with them. Uh, check out the show, Podkist Approved. Yeah. So thank you, Ken Mills, the pod, pod. An excellent review. You know, that's amazing, man. That, you know, some guy I would have listened to all the time gives us a positive review. It makes, it makes me feel really good. Thank you, Ken. You rule, brother. Yes, it does. And that that is a tremendous review. And uh, you know how wait wait you know I'm... how cool is it that this week we have Ken Mills from Podcast on our show, and last week we had Bradford Sisnak from Decibel Geek. I mean, we're kicking ass, dude. Chris Sinzak. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, no. another another thing I want to mention before I get into the last review is uh, something I was pleasantly surprised to find out. I left a good review for History Science Theater on their uh, past episode. They did Crazy Nights with uh, Chris Jericho. That, w- that was amazing. And I'm like, I'm a big fan of this show. been listening to it before I even got into podcasts. And uh, you guys are a big inspiration. I-, I always plug you on this show. And then I got back a little bit later. He said, well, 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 the Ayatollah of Alcohola. And I couldn't believe he even knew who we were. Uh, and he thanked me for the, uh, the comment. And he said he just got done listening to our Psycho Search review and said it was great as usual. So the people at Kiss Science Theater are are checking us out. So uh, I want to give them a big shout-out and a big thank you. That was very humbling to me. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, let me get into our last iTunes review. And this is by... London, 1993. Oh, I can tell that guy's got hot chicks. I can just tell already. Oh, man. A five-star review. It's entitled Essential Podcast. And he says, and I quote, I've never done an iTunes review before. I to write one for this podcast. If you are a fan of heavy metal and rock, you need to listen to this podcast. Ralph and Ian are two of the most entertaining hosts on the planet. While most podcasts get boring and dull, this one has me laughing and listening to the very end. This show has introduced me to so many new bands and reignited interest in other bands that I already love. 
After listening to them, I've purchased so much new metal songs on iTunes. This podcast isn't boring like most, and it makes me feel like I'm hanging out with friends, joking around, talking metal. It feels less of a podcast and more of a night at a friend's house sharing some laughs. Ian and Ralph are also very awesome to the fans of the show. Do yourself a favor and give this podcast a listen. You will not regret. I like the first half of that review, but the second half really pisses me off. Yeah, uh, let me guess which part. Go Go ahead. ahead. Yeah, you you know it. Well, I love how he said Ralph and Ian. But then at the end, he says Ian and Ralph. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. That pisses me off, man. Get your, get your. He fucked up. I don't like that guy, man. Yeah. Stay in London. (laughs) I give your review two and a half. First half, two, two and a half. But if you would have just said Ralph and Ian at the end, I would have given you a solid five, man. What the fuck, London? Yeah, it's like, dude, dude, does anybody anybody back in the day go see fucking Ozzy Osbourne and say, man, we're going to see Tommy Kuflusus tonight. No, they're going to see Ozzy, all right? What the fuck? Oh, oh, you're saying I'm that untalented? Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, you, you're the type of person that would not be allowed to play on a Black Sabbath album, but they'll allow you to tour with them. Yeah, I see that. Totally. All right, well, let's get into some news so I can earn my keep here. Uh, Phil Rudd has paid 50000 of the 120000 that he is supposed to pay in uh, restorations for his sentence. 50000 I bet that was like under his bird feeder. That guy's rolling. That guy played on Back in Black. I bet his well, toilet paper is made out of dollar bills. Well, he did play on Black and Black, but if you look at the songwriting credits, it's all Young, Young, and Johnson. There's no uh, Rudd on the credits. So he doesn't get the same money they get. Uh, I got a feeling uh, Phil Rudd, I don't think if you look at any ACDC credits, he's on there. And publishing is where it's at as far as that. I think he's a man who definitely made his money off of touring and made Uh, some merch. So in other words, if, if the future Rock and Metal Combat podcast gets paid for this shit... You're going to be like the Phil Rudd of this show. No, no, because it's it's all in my name. So I get it all, and if you're nice to me, I'll cut you a share. Yeah, um, yeah. You should change this. You should change the names on the podcast, or I think we got to re, re, renegotiate, my friend. But anyway, uh, yeah. So uh, he's getting in trouble because he needs to pay the rest of that money, and now it was finally released. Who he was trying to have killed? Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, it was his personal assistant who he held responsible for his new solo album, Hand Head Job. That was a good. uh, You know what? I liked it. Did you? Did you like it? I liked it. I think I listened to a little bit of it and and never listened to the whole thing. But he helped. He held this guy responsible for it bombing. Yeah, he was very butthurt that it wasn't a, a smash. And that's why he wanted his uh, personal assistant killed. I enjoyed it. All right. Well, maybe I'll have to go back and revisit that. Uh, in the never-ending Paul Stanley D. Snyder feud, which now I've got to laugh at at this point because D. Snyder is really milking this shit. No, he's not. Go ahead. I know he's not. Go ahead. I'll tell you why he's not, but uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, okay. Okay, uh, but now he's released another statement. You know, basically saying 
Paul, why you gotta be a dick? Right. And he he admits to, hey, I'm a Kiss fan. Well, but, uh, Ian, let, let's hear your opinion. Yeah, the problem is, Ian, is that you look at a blurb and you just run with it. You ha- you don't know what led D to say that. Did you actually watch the interview where he said that? Did you? I, no, you uh, did. I didn't no, watch you the did. blurb. I read You did. Right. You did. Here, here's what it was. It was the two jackass uh, DJs or whatever. When visited him, I, D, D had some kind of motorcycle run where people run for charity on the motorcycles and whatever. And they're interviewing him. Mark Mendoza sitting there. there. Mark Mendoza said a couple of things too. He called Paul Stanley an idiot. And you didn't see that in the blurb, but because it doesn't matter what Mark Mendoza says. But here's the thing. They asked D Snyder three, four times about Paul Stanley. And he kind of like didn't even milk it. He didn't even want to talk about it. Yeah, at one point he goes, look, I'm a Kiss fan. And he said exactly what you said. I own this and that. I love Kiss. And then they changed the subject. They talked about the thing. Dude, D. Snyder didn't want to talk about Paul Stanley. Then at the very end, they said, you have anything to say about Paul Stanley? Because they kept bringing up Kiss to this guy. And he goes, yeah, just stop being a dick. And that was it. So it wasn't like D. Snyder's going out of his way to bring this shit up. If you look well, at the interview, if you look at the interview, they kept pestering him about Kiss, and every time they pestered him about it, he didn't really go into it till the very end. Finally, at the end, he says, "Yeah, stop being a dick." And they take that one little piece, and they, you know, forget about him talking about how much he loves Kiss and he thinks it's stupid. He doesn't. He wants it to end. He said all that shit, but you know, they bring up like, on the. I saw the blabbermouth thing. D. Snyder says to Paul Stanley, stop being such a dick. And of course, if you read that, you just think, God, this guy doesn't stop milking it. But watch the interview and you'll realize the guy wasn't milking shit, man. Thanks. Well, I, I'm, I'm saying listen to his podcast and he brought it up just like out of the blue where it wasn't even relevant. He's just talking about how outspoken he is and they just, he goes, go ask Paul Stanley. You, you know, it's like, it's like he didn't even have to bring it up in that and he did. I'm not, okay. I'm not saying All this right. guy... Okay, okay. Far, fair enough. But that wasn't what you brought up. The story you brought up was right. this interview they had with him where you're okay. saying that he was milking it where you didn't even watch the interview, dude. And that's okay. that's blabbermouth mentality. That's, that's, that meant, that's what's wrong with this fucking world. They get like a little line of when somebody says and blow it out of proportion. And that's exactly what that, that news... Mission accomplished when it came to Ian Wadley. And anybody else that reads that without watching the interview going, God, this guy doesn't stop. Watch the interview and you realize he wasn't milking it. And now I'm not saying D. Snyder is milk. He probably is milking it. But in this instant, he wasn't. All right. Next story. Megadeth recently had a concert in Beijing that was uh, really cut short, like after an hour. And even a lot of their most popular songs were played instrumentally. Did you read this story on Blabbermouth, Ralph? No. Okay. Uh, And they said what it was coming down was to censorship. And uh, I guess they had to submit all their lyrics to China to play the show. And I guess uh, previously Metallica had the same thing and. They had issues with Master of Puppets lyrics that they had to either change or not say. But, uh, yeah, this concert was cut short, and uh, 
They said, uh, you know, Dave Mustaine was obviously irritated. But what I really think it comes down to is they just censored him because they found out he wasn't playing The Conjuring. And they didn't give a shit if he wasn't going to play The Conjuring. That's my take on it. But uh, what do you think about Megadeth being censored in China? I think it's bullshit. Let me tell you something. Thrush and I will never play China. Thrush and I will never play a commie country. Shame on him. Shame on Mataka. Shame on all... You know, I'm sick of this shit, man. What's up, man? You gotta fucking shun these motherfuckers. Fuck these... These people oppress people over there. There's people dying and fucking slave labor, all this shit. And you're gonna go over there and entertain these fucks? Fuck that shit. I'm really insulted by Megadeth, but I really like that new song. You heard it? Yeah, not bad. Not fucking bad at great. all. Fucking great. Fucking great. And I predicted that. If you listen to some past podcasts we did, I said the next Megadeth, I, na- I called it. I said that next Megadeth album is gonna rule. Because that guy from from Angra rules, and I know they want to get back to the fucking technical, what makes Megadeth great. All right, what else? All right. Did did you see the video released this week of Peter Chris playing drums? I loved it. I loved it. Now, I put it up on my Almost Human Facebook page, which you should join, because, you know, it's kind of insulting how there's a lot more people on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast page and not on almost human what's up with that um but here's my point i mean i put the video up and i said and and this is what i said on the video i said this is an improvement of peter chris the peter chris we saw in 96 all the way to 2000 you know didn't say he was amazing or great or as good as he was in the 70s no i just said it was an improvement and then we had people like justin childers and I forget who, oh, oh, I apologize, Justin Childers, if you didn't say something negative. I'm kind of thinking you did. Some people left comments going, that wasn't that great. And I'm like, dude, I didn't say, I mean, and I thought it was compa- considering Peter Chris is like 70. But then you have these assholes. You know, this is what I fucking hate about Facebook, dude. No matter what you put up, there's always going to be some negative Nancy fucking asshole leaving a comment to like discredit whatever the fuck you put up. Oh, oh, Gene Cooper, whoever the fuck was in his 70s and played better. Look, shut up, dude. I mean, I'm just pointing that it is an improvement of how he was in Kiss from 96 to the to when he left the band. What was it, 2002, whatever. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying, hey, look, he's playing better than he did on Dress to Kill. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying the guy playing better drums now than he was... Look, then he was like a year ago when he joined Rob Zombie on stage and he needed help from another drummer. Now, what I saw on that video looked like he can do God of Thunder with ease now, alone with no help. And that was the only point I made, okay? And another thing, Peter Chris has got to stop dying his hair. Enough for it. Let, it. let it go great like he did in the 70s, man. That should look cool, right? Was that natural, or did he add to it? I always thought he added to it. Well, if he added to it, well, if he added to it, now he doesn't have to add to it to look as cool as it did back then. Yeah, well, it's it's much better than him being blonde. What a horrible look that was. Remember when he was blonde? Oh, yeah, that was the Phil Donahue show. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, my God. But uh, I would like to say I'm very harsh on Peter Christensen. Because he was a total fucking prick when I met him. Uh, but I enjoyed his drum playing. 
I thought it was very Gene Cooper, very Buddy Rich, very the people who influenced him. And I love that sound. And I just think how good that would have sounded with playing with the original Kiss. I was very impressed and very, it wasn't nothing earth shattering, but it was Peter Chris. It sounded like him. And I really enjoyed it. All right. Well, the next story was uh, another one that Paul said. He was talking about how Ace and Peter did sell their makeup and, you know, and very cheaply, he added. And this has been said before, and I believe it's well documented, that Peter did sell his makeup to him. That's that's a definite. One thing I didn't know, I found out listening to another podcast, and I wish I could remember which one it was. It was either Podkiss or Kissery Science. I didn't know that he got paid from Kiss up until, like, 87. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I knew that. Yeah, I, knew I, that. I, did, I, I know Ace got paid up till 85, and that's when he finally got off his ass and did a solo band is when he stopped getting that Kiss money. But I didn't know Peter Chris got a third uh, up until 87. Now, Ace has been saying for the last couple years that he's leasing it, that he didn't sell it. Uh, that it's up for negotiation supposedly this year or next year and he's kind of seems like he's coy on whether or not he's going to do it or not uh, but Paul is saying no he sold that shit and again this is why people should join the Almost Human page I mean because you ain't going to get the shit at the Rock and Metal Combat page I put I put up the news article on this and I even questioned I said man is Ace really bullshitting us is this a lie that he's leasing it to him? Because after all, look what Paul's saying. And kind of, in a way, it kind of, Paul makes sense. You know, it's like, wait a second. I mean, all this shit is going on. So it does sound like Paul's telling the truth and Ace Freely's bullshitting us. But thanks to the genius people that are smart enough to join the Almost Human page, one guy brought up a really good point. He said, I think that Ace is probably, uh, is renting it to them and he can still use it because number one, that Dunkin' Donuts commercial he was on with the makeup, uh, Tommy Thayer was already in the band and he was wearing the makeup in a Dunkin' Donuts commercial. Number two, when you go see Ace now, you can buy a t-shirt that has Ace Frehley makeup on. Like Ace Frehley selling shirts with his, with the Spaceman makeup. So it does kind of sound like he may be renting it. And then another genius from my page wrote, uh, or, you know, it could be that he's paying Kiss to, uh, you know, to license, you know, to, to put that makeup on. We all don't know what the hell's going on. Uh, I don't know if Ace is lying or not, but it sure does. It sure doesn't look good, but at the same time, it kind of does look like that Ace does have some rights to his makeup, but I'm not 100% sure on that. It's, it's a big question mark. But, you know, and Paul may be telling the truth, but, you know, Paul has been known to fucking lie. All right. Well, next story. Um, Iron Maiden has released the first set of U.S. dates uh, for their tour starting in February. And uh, are you going to the show in Florida, Ralph? Yeah. Uh, let me ask you, is it the first show of the complete tour? Uh, I believe, I believe it actually starts in the states in february are the first dates and they're doing like so the very first date the very first date is for Lardo. i believe it is i believe it is well that really sucks because i can't see the set list now 
Right. So you don't know what they're playing. And I was thinking that because I, I saw something on Facebook that you RSVP'd uh, to the to the show. And uh, all righty. Well, uh, if they come to your town, I uh, hope you get to see them. I know our our past fan of the week. I don't know if you saw this post because it was on the Rock and Metal Combat Facebook page, but Aaron Bear uh, wrote that he really wants to go see this tour. You know, as his first concert, and he he asked opinions on how he should talk to his parents about it. And uh, man, I hope he gets to go. I asked, I go, Are you a good kid? You get good grades? You stay out of trouble? He said yes. I'm like, well, ask your parents, and, and hopefully, you know, your dad will take you. You know, or, or you know, you know, your mom. Or I hope you get to see the show. I, I know my first concert was with my father. Uh, I don't know about you, I love Aaron. Oh, great kid. And, and really, such a sweet, sincere kid, and he's really awesome. And uh, I hope he gets to go because he really wants to go see it. And uh, I hope it all works out. He's for him. Uh, he's fifteen. He, he's gonna. Um, I, th- I, I think he's gonna be fifteen by the time this episode airs. Yeah, you know, for the longest time I thought he was much younger. Uh, but but uh, I apologize, Aaron. Even though Aaron Aaron like digs me and digs the show and everything, but. He, I, I had no idea he was that old, but uh, I didn't see that post. I wish I did. I could have told Aaron. I could have gave him some. Uh, uh, yeah, to Aaron, if he, I'm sure he's listening now. It's like, uh, every dad go. My very first concert was my with my dad, and it was awesome. You know. Yeah. So it'd be cool if you can get your, convince your dad to go see it. Yeah. And I, by the way, take a pillow just in case. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh... You know, both of us went to our first concerts with our fathers, so uh, I hope it works out for him. And just another reason, Ralph, that you should come on the Rock and Metal Combat page, because you would have saw that post. All right. Well, I'm kind of insulted. Most people there don't go to the Almost Human page. Hey, I, I go there every day. I love the Almost Human page. I think everybody I ain't talking should go about there. you. I ain't talking about you, motherfucker. I know, I know you're not. All right, let's go to the last story. Last story. This is something that I know this broke one of our biggest fanboys' hearts. Michael, is it H. Howard or W. Howard? I can never remember. Michael Michael W. Howard. Michael W. Howard. Well, this motherfucker probably ain't going to come out of his room for months. Not only because the Steelers aren't doing so good, but because it was announced that the docking reunion that George Lynch was talking about is now off the table again. Uh, Don Dockin said no to it because of prior commitments to Jeff Pilson with uh, Foreigner. He is the bass player for the Foreigner tribute band led by Mick Jones that has been touring for years. Mick, and, and, and are you aware Mick Jones sometimes doesn't play? Yes, I actually saw uh, Foreigner without Mick Jones here in, uh, here, here in New Orleans after he had, he had a heart attack or something like that. They had you know, there was no original members, but I'll tell you what, though. It was an amazing show. That dude who used to sing for Hurricane, man, he can do some Lou Graham. It sounded good, but it wasn't Foreigner, but it was a great show. Uh, but apparently, yeah, uh, Don says it's off off the table to at least 2016 because of Jeff Pilson's uh, tour requirements with Foreigner. Well, fuck, 2016's right around the corner. Er, We're in October. 
That's true. I, I don't know if he said it was through 2016. I don't know. But anyway, Don's saying no as of now. But, you know, every year they wait. Uh, you know, everything's just going to get worse. It's not going to get better. So I don't know if we'll ever see this. I saw Scab docking last October. And it, it was good. And, you know, we that, guy, that guy is awesome. Um, no, plays guitar. And, Sean Levin or whatever. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. It was good, but to me, that you know, it's like seeing fucking Black Sabbath without Tony Iommi, or the Stones without Keith Richards. I mean, you have to have George Lynch there, uh, you know. And uh, it was it was passable. Don't get me wrong, but to me, that other guy was nothing more than a Tommy Thayer, you know, because he was played at note for note, you know. Uh, but I, I still want to see George Lynch. But enough of these sad stories. We should be honored because right now we are about to be in the presence of the Podfathers. Somebody so influential on our podcast and in the podcasting world. Let his talents so we can talk about this 1980 Cheap Trick classic all shook up. What do you say we get into it? Vamonos. All right, let's get into the review. This uh, week we're reviewing the 1980, I believe it's 1980. Uh, yes. Uh, the Cheap Trick, to me, this is where, the from the first album to this album, they did no wrong, in my opinion. But before we get into it, we got a special guest, the Podfather. Yeah. I would like to call him the Podfather, because it's because of him and his podcast, Podkiss, that fired me up to start a fucking podcast. The one and only Ken Mills. Welcome to our show, Ken. Hey, so, you, so, so I'm the guy you can blame it on. I guess. Yeah, you're yeah. like, you're like, you're like Wicked Lester, and we're like Kiss. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Ken. I forgot to mention. I got an ego. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad to be on your show. Uh, I enjoy it. And uh, Ralph, you've been on the podcast a little bit. And Thank we'll you. We'll have to get you on there. Uh, we're trying awesome. to make them for everybody. We're celebrating our eighth year, and who knows where we go. But uh, we're trying to keep it all cool and get everybody in the boat as much as possible. Hell yeah, man. And I, and, and I want to thank you for having me on the show. Uh, I believe... Uh, what was it? You came to me, Ken? Was this something like that? You saw something on YouTube? Well, yeah, because every once in a while, uh, you know, people would say, well, have you heard of Dr. Fuck? And I'm like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to hear something like Dr. Fuck. <laughs> and somebody said, yeah, you, you got you to check this guy out. He, he mentioned you. He, you know, he loves Kiss. You, you guys need to check him out. So I went on YouTube and... You know, I, I would check you out and you do these uh, album reviews and stuff like that. Some things I vehemently disagree with you on. For example, most of Gene Simmons' solo album. But that, <laughs> sometimes you have to have differing opinions. And I just love your personality and I love how you deliver things. And man, you said something the other day about like, uh, you wanted the best, well, you are the best in, in, in a recent one, one, one of your uh, YouTube clips. And that just really, that was like, man, this guy's got a heart of gold. You know, underneath all the spike nails, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like that, uh, the, the guy's got a heart. And I, I think that's beautiful. Thank you, Ken. I appreciate that. It is true. I am awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, to balance, and to balance that out, I'm a talentless asshole. Yeah, uh, but but no, you got it. You but no, I, Ian, 
with all due respect, in Ian's defense, Ian is also, dis I disagree a lot with Ian, and what I really like about Ian is that he really knows how to cling on to my coattails. <laughs> I mean, he holds tight, boy. He doesn't fall. And boy, I shake those coattails a lot. I try to deter him and piss him off, and he's like, I ain't leaving this gravy train. Uh-uh, I'm like herpes, bitch. I'm here to stay. That's I'm in right. A and, I, and, I, and I love Ian, and that's why uh, me and him have that chemistry. Uh, a lot of people think we hate each other, which is slightly not true. <laughs> and uh, and it works, you know. I mean, I don't know if you've been keeping up, Ken, but you know, there's a lot of people that you know we've been we've been uh, leaving a nasty little stain in the podcast world, you know. Well, and, someone got to do it, and it's a dirty job, but it's up to you. Yeah, we've only been on what a little over a year, and you know, yeah, we've, we've yeah. gotten. Well, you know, I I don't mean to brag, but but you know, it's in my DNA. I, I love bragging, but. Uh, let's just say, you know, uh, we're getting a lot of positive uh, feedback on iTunes and elsewhere. And uh, and our and Ken, if you're not part of it, we would love for you to be on our Facebook page. Yes. Oh, I absolutely am. I oh, oh, you are? Okay. Yes. Um, one thing, you know, it, you, you said it's in your DNA, and it, it is true. I mean, we all grew up loving a band that said you wanted the best, you got the best. And yeah. that's... You know, that's how I feel every time I uh, met a girl and it was bedtime. You know, hey, baby, you wanted the best, you got the best. Or any job interview I've ever had, you take that attitude and you go into that ring and you make it happen. So you're just very, the one who were raised. Very true. Yeah, it's awesome how, you know, uh, the KISS attitude is really good in life. Unless you are like the members of KISS, then, you know. Well, then, that's, a whole, that's a whole different story. Just take yeah. their message... Like, do, do as they say, not as they act. <laughs> but uh, this is not about Kiss this week. This is about Cheap Trick. And, and I'm feeling all shook up. Yeah, Ooh. you know, bent out of shape. And uh, I want to, before, you know, this is how we do it. You know, Podkiss does something similar as well. Uh, we, we talk about, you know, uh, how we discovered the album and what we think of the I mean, we don't really go into details, but how do we... Uh, uh, discover the album and then we go into details when we go into track by track Excellent. so uh, Ken since you are our guest and you are the pod father I would like for you to um, tell us the first time you heard All Shook Up well I bought this album as it came out and you know I, I discovered Cheap Trick earlier on uh, my, my uncle had this uh, girlfriend who uh, she would ask me to babysit her kids. You know, I was, what, 15 or something like that at the time. And she knew that I loved the Beatles. She knew that I loved Abbey Road and the White Album. You know, just, and by the way, I really loved your White Album episode. Thank you. And, and that was cool. But, uh, you know, she she said, I really think you would like this band. And, and, and I kind of had a crush on her. You know, she was like an older woman and you know, she would always come out and, uh, like, when she was getting ready to go out on a date with my uncle, she would think of nothing and walk around, like, in panties and stuff like that. And it was like, <laughs> you know, and I'm just there. So her thinking that I was cool enough to recommend music to was pretty darn cool. So she turned me on to the first three Cheap Trick albums. But, you know, then, boom, Budokan came out, and it was like all bets were off. Everybody was into Cheap Trick. You know what I mean? It, all of a sudden... They were known by everybody, but I, I had I had become a fan, and I had bought you know uh, 
Budokan, Dream Police, and this in succession. And it became a lifelong pattern for me. <laughs> so it was just a... Uh, it was just another cool album to get that uh, that that uh, cold October twenty fourth, nineteen eighty. Hmm. Interesting. How about you, Ian? Uh, when's the first time you heard? All Shit uh, I was definitely a late cover to this album. Uh, I, I got into Cheap Trick at a young age, my teenage years, but it was strictly seventies uh, uh, Cheap Trick, and in uh, uh, Lap of Luxury, I got when it came out, but. Uh, I, I got this when they did the remastered, and I, I love the job they did on all those Cheap Trick remasters. I wish they would have kept it up. But uh, I, I knew some songs because I had the box set that's uh, Sex Cheap Trick in America or whatever, so I knew some of the songs. Uh, but yeah, I, di I didn't know it till, uh, till the you know in full till the remaster. And half this album I really love, and half of it I, I don't. To me, I kind of compare this album a lot to Special One uh, because of that. There, there's some stuff on the Special One that I think is some of the best shit they've done, and other just like totally unforgettable and unmemorable. And that's how I feel about this. Now, some of it, you know, every time we, we pick an album, I will. I, I'll grind it into my head. I'll listen to it over and over. And some songs, my opinion, changed a little bit on, and some it didn't. But, you know, we'll get in that track and track track by track but uh this was definitely the end of the era uh you know the the first era of cheap trick for a lot of reasons i saw this tour with ufo opening and uh they played every song off this album except for one i don't know if you're aware of this ken um i don't know did you see this tour ken did you see all shut no. up no i did not okay i did see the tour and they played that whole album I, I saw the Dream Police tour, but I did not see this one. As a matter of fact, I think this was one that we were going to go to, but a uh, Cleveland winter is oh. not always forgivable at, for traveling conditions. Oh boy, yeah, that sucks. That was a good show. They had these big, a uh, big eyeball during high peak <clears throat> rhythmic noise. It was just mind blowing. But I'll be honest with you, Ken. This is where it stopped for me. I mean, um, I didn't run out and buy one-on-one, -on -one, and uh, I, I did hear it at a friend's house, and it didn't grab me. And to this day, there's only a few tracks I like on it, but we'll get into all that after the show. I say we dive into the album, and Ken, you being the guest, once again, I'm going to ask you to start off the album with Stop This Game. What do you think? What an excellent track, and of course we need to mention that this is not produced by Tom Worman. This album is produced by George Martin yes, uh, of Beatle fame, and uh, this is the fifth studio album, sixth release overall. Uh, this is a very quirky album. This song, I, I, I'm not so much, uh, you know, assured of its greatness as an opener because the songs that follow it are really strong but it kind of makes some sense and there is a theme and almost a concept album look to this album first off if you look at the album cover uh both the the actual album cover and the inside sleeve and stuff like that 
there are like little scenarios yes. that are put together. And Rick Nielsen actually staged those, and those are actually the song titles of the songs. If you take a look at them, like there's one where you see like Robin falling. That's Love Come Tumbling. Right. Yeah. World's, so, like, World's Greatest Lover. Yeah, exactly. So, what, what song would be the one with Darth Vader? <laughs> I don't know. Do you think that that's... Uh, Maybe High Priest? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, World's Greatest Lover. Wasn't that weird seeing Darth Vader on yeah. that album cover? Yeah, at the- it's, it's strange. <laughs> it's very strange. With the little kids. and I think yeah. it's the same little kid, but they made like 10 of them. You know? It could be. Whatever they, whatever it was called, Photoshop back then. They always remind me of those kids in that one movie, what Village of the Damned or whatever, where they're blowing <laughs> eyes, reaching the night. Anyway, uh, this this song definitely it, it sounds like Cheap Trick. It has some of the same like uh, use of orchestration that they've done before. I always wondered what. Uh, the Beatles producer thought of these guys, you know, working with them. I would love to read what his side of the story was. But you have the same kind of thing that you had uh, as far as orchestration and going, you know, going, gonna raise hell, you know, from the previous album. And it's it's a really good track. This one written by Rick Nielsen and Robin Zander. Most of the songs are just accredited to Rick, who's a, an amazing songwriter. But this is just a really good song and, and it does kind of tee up the album uh ian uh i love it i think it's a great opener uh i think it's funny that the original name of this song was can't stop the music yeah uh, but but that was the title of the horrible village people movie and so they changed it you know because they didn't want you know that association I mean, well, I a, a side note blackie lawless does a cameo in that's that true. People. That's true. And uh, hey, launched the career of Steve Gutenberg. Uh, but uh, yeah, you can see why they wanted to disassociate it. Not not only because it was the village people, but because it was a bomb. Uh, <laughs> but but this is a a great song. I think it's a great opener. And right off the bat, you can hear the the George Martin influence on this. Yeah. You know, and this this is way different than a Tom Worman album. And. A lot of people, and even a lot of musicians who have worked with him, like, slammed him after the fact, but Tom Warman's been part of some amazing fucking albums. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, like the Cheap Trick albums. I'm sorry, but I thought yeah. he- Heaven Tonight and Dream Dream Police are stellar production, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I mean, I mean, look at the, the Ted Nugent albums, uh, you know, Motley Crue, Twisted Sister. I Molly, mean, he did, Molly Hatchet. I like yeah, that. Yeah, a, a lot of the shit we love, he did... Um, but, you know, they decided to go with a different director. Of course, being huge Beatles fans, I mean, what would be better than having George Martin? And his stamp is all over this. You know, there's that little bit of the day-in-the-life-like intro to this. Yeah, that's. And, uh, I wanted to get into that. Um, and, and I think it's it's a great track. And, and Xander's vocals on this. I mean, you know, I know, you know, Ralph, your opinion. And, and Ken, of course, you know, because I listen to your, your Cheap Trick podcast. That One of the best vocalists of all time. I mean, this guy can sing anything, and uh, you know, you know, from something really subtle and sweet to the the shriek of screams, uh, he can cover it all, and still can. I just saw him a couple months ago, and it was amazing. Uh, but he sounds great on this. I think it's a great opener. Love this track. Yeah, I, I, uh, that is my all-time favorite singer. I gotta say. But anyway, back to the song. 
Yes, I feel like the beginning sounds like, hey, look, Sergeant Pepper ended. Like, if, <laughs> if you listen to Sergeant Pepper without that little weird noise that happens after that long piano note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without, like, take that out and, like, with that piano fading out and then fade in, all shook up. You know, it's, I think that was kind of like the idea of this. And it did take me a while to actually notice that. Many years, actually. But, um, I have, I, I listened to this song and I, one thing that really stands out is the, is the bass playing on, on Stop This Game. Like, it's, like, Tom Peterson's doing, like, some weird stuff and it's awful. Uh, the, the lyrics are really strange. It's like, what is it about hating music and you want it to stop? Did, did Rick did Rick write this song about Tom Peterson at the time? I don't know. But the one thing that there is one little thing that bothers me about the song is that I'm not really too crazy about the little bell. Like ding 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 ding. I don't know. I, that's one thing that just. Eh. I love this song. Going into the next one, uh, just got back where. I remember reading an interview a while ago where Robin Zander said it might be actually Ken. I believe you on your show. Correct me if I'm wrong. You had the author of Fragile. Uh, what is it? Um, yes. Yes. Fragile thing. Yes. You you had that author on your show, right? Yes, my case. Yeah, I actually have that book. I bought it back when it first came out. Oh wow! Great yeah. episode, by the way, Ken. Yes, yeah, that was a great one. Uh, and I think I read it in there. I could be wrong. That Robin Zander said Just Got Back was a song where he was writing like a short story or a story. And he yes. ended up incorporating it into that song, like the characters of that song, uh, Paul Calypso and stuff like that. Am I right about that? You're absolutely right. As a matter of fact, there is a bit of a comic book that Robin kind of did. Uh, that has a lot of these characters, if you will, you know, if you want to call them character. But, you know, you, like it, it mentioned stopping the music. Uh, there, it, part of the theme of the music is like there's this guy who's using music, and I would say that's the high priest of rhythmic noise, uh, for nefarious means. I mean, they... they <laughs> Thank God this didn't turn into like you know cheap tricks Broadway show all shook up or something like that. The elder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would have been like uh, Styx's one uh, Kilroy was here where they acted it out on stage, you know. But you know you've got things like can't stop it, but I'm gonna try, and uh, you know there's the, the the lyrics that you posted earlier. Yeah. About uh, how music is actually. Uh, something that is reaffirming and will, you know, make your life worth living. So somebody's misusing the music, but again, I wouldn't go too far into the concept thing. Somebody had that idea on, at some point. Like I said, it later became a bit of a comic book that you can find. Oh, okay. Um, well, and again, going back to the song, this song rocks. This is a kid. I re I'll never forget. They didn't play this song for the longest time. You know, when they did, um, the All Shook Up tour. I don't. I I could be wrong, but I don't think they brought this song back till Tom actually came back into the band because I, I was I saw Cheap Trick before Lap of Luxury came out. Mm -hmm. I went to go see him at this place called City Limits. Oh, Cheap Trick's playing. When I got there, I was like, "Holy shit, that's Tom Peterson!" And they came out and they opened with "Just Got Back," and I was like, 
fuck yeah, man. Oh, nice. It was one of the greatest cheap trick shows I ever saw because Tom Peterson was back as well. Was mind-blowing. But what, he just here and just got back in a live setting. Now, that's a song that goes over really well live. Absolutely. It's like one of the... It's a showstopper. Anybody that loves Cheap Trick and is aware of that song loses their mind when they play this shit live. And they don't do it enough, in my opinion. There's a lot of songs on this album that that they don't play live. You know, it's like very rare. Like, the two we just talked about are probably the ones they play the most. Plus the next one, which the last time I saw Cheap Trick, they, they play the next song. But we'll get into that after we hear your opinion on it, Ken. Just got back. Ugh. What a great song. Those drums, absolutely amazing. There's not much you can say bad about it. This is this is from the time of the great albums with one-two punches, things like Detroit Rock City, King of the Nighttime World. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So go right from Stop This Game, Just Got Back in the Baby Loves to Rock. It doesn't stop. They're on your neck the whole time. They're going down the road, and your neck is the gas pedal, so you better <laughs> enjoy this. It, it's just one hell of a song. Greatness, greatness, greatness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I absolutely love it. <clears throat> uh, you know, when I think of this song, I, I think of Bunny Carlos. And they said there's 24 drum tracks on this song. I can said, believe that. Uh, they, they talk in the liner notes for this album. says, uh, we were playing brushes on a piano seat, playing cardboard boxes, <laughs> shaking bags of change, anything to make some noise. And absolutely. It just created that sound. And I'm a huge Bunny fan. I, I love Bunny. And, uh, man, I just, I hear this, I just think of that fucking goofy face smiling, and, or not even smiling, just that Bunny look, and, but just beating the shit out of the drums. And it, it's it's a short song, I think it's only like two minutes and five seconds. But yep. it's it's perfect. It's it's perfect. I absolutely love this fucking track. Uh, and then we go into the next song, which... I know a lot of people love this song. I'm not as huge. Uh, the next song is... Uh, uh, Baby Loves to Rock. Yeah, yeah, Baby Loves to Rock. Um, it's, it's, it's good, but it's not great to me. It, I didn't like it as much as the first three. And this is the first kind of dip for me, like, eh, I, I don't know. The song is just all right to me. What, what do you think, Ken? Well, first off, one, one thing I want to mention about Just Got Back... It was later used in uh, a montage in the film Grown Ups with Adam Sandler and all yes. those guys. Yeah, so that's kind of cool that that's gotten that little bit of, uh, you know, acceptance in the, the common mythos of our day, if you will. Uh, Baby Loves to Rock. My God. Anybody that loves Cheap Trick and didn't play this on guitar, I have to wonder what's wrong with you. You're not, you're not using your time wisely and I love the little pull-offs and pull-ons that Rick has going on just absolutely amazing kind of reminiscent of the Budokan kind of solos and stuff like that and you also have the callback to Sgt. Pepper again where they had like uh, in the song Good Morning where they had all these animals come running through you hear the same kind of effect going on in this including uh, like a jet from uh, back in the USSR. Right, yeah. So there's all these cool little Beatles callbacks, if you will. And uh, in the bridge, uh, 
the, the, the bridge of Baby Loves to Rock, there's a line not in Russia with the sound of an airplane in the background, which, again, calling back to back in USSR, so. Right. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I never thought of it that way. Um, that's why it's cool having Ken on the show, man. Damn Skippy. Yeah, that's right, Skippy. <laughs> uh, rock, Baby Loves to Rock, I, I feel like what what really it's a censored song. It, it's, it should be called Baby Loves to Fuck. Because that's, baby, that's basically all the lyrics are about. This chick that wants to fuck in the morning, in the evening, in the summer, in the winter, in the car, in the night, in an airplane, but not in Russia. She's anti-commie, but she's part of the Reagan administration. Yeah, but it was cold back then, the Cold War, you know. Yeah, cold, yeah, yeah. Do some things for, for nipples, but not for other things. Wolverines! <laughs> and I also see a little, a little nod to my generation. Not, not only because of the riff, the da -na 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 -na, but also yep. there's a little bit of a stutter going on there. Yep, yep. Like more and more, I'm thinking about, S -s -s -s, you know, yep, that's yep. that's a total nod to the who. You can hear it in the song, and uh, and I kind of think they repeated this song on the next album, She's Tight. It's kind of got the same, I don't know, structure, which I love. She's Tight too. I can't tell you which one I love more. I think they're both in par with each other. I love them both equally. I love Baby Loves to Rock. This is the one song back then, because there's a lot of friends of mine that gave up on Cheap Trick at that time. But they were like, yep. well, I like Baby Loves to Rock, but they became too new wave. But because at the time, that the the visual of that album with the with the the baby and the girl with the hula hoop and stuff like that, yep. it was new wave-ish looking. But the album didn't sound new wave to me. It just didn't. No. And, but if you look at what they did here and what they later did on one on one, Rick kind of could see what was coming on the horizon. You know, where everybody else was running around, maybe starting to stick safety pins in their ears and whatnot. Rick was like noticing that the cars and all these different things were happening. You know, getting like the Alice Cooper did clones. Remember? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. So, so Rick was kind of like five years ahead of it. When you think about it. Right. It was five years before it really started to explode like it did. Yeah, it kind of turned a lot of people off. Uh, I, it didn't turn me on. I thought, man, this album's great. I thought this album was the logical uh, continuation after uh, Dream Police. I felt like all their albums was like, you know, it was just a good growth. And, and to me, All Shook Up was like, wow, they, they just didn't top it, in my opinion. That's... There's right. great albums they did after this. I can name you like five, six that I played. Probably even more than All Shook Up, but I don't feel like it tops everything from All Shook Up to the first album. I think uh, that right there is like the plethium uh, of Cheap Trick. Ralph, let me ask you. I think you've talked to me about this before. Uh, didn't they play this song on Saturday Night Live? They played yeah, this it? song and Can't Stop It, But I'm Gonna Try. Yeah, okay. And I really love the Can't Stop It But I'm Gonna Try version on Saturday Night Live when they band stops where he goes, last time that I met you and the last time that we, and they all stopped and Rob Zander goes, talked. Yeah. And then they go right back into the song. I love that, man. And Robin Zander playing keyboards is like, wow, this is fucking strange, you know? But, yeah, it, yeah. go ahead, Ken. Robin really stepped up on this album. I mean, there's a lot more direction from him. You can kind of 
feel that at times. Yeah, and, and uh, which will go into that song. Can't stop, but I'm going to try. You know, I really love the line where it says, and some days I don't think I'll make it through. I'll feel better if you felt it too. Come on. Yeah. Who hasn't broke up with a girl and thought, I hope you suffer, bitch. <laughs> yeah. You know? And that line just says it. I don't, you know, but I got to say, in my defense, I don't think that anymore. Like, when I break up with girls, it's like, yay, freedom. I don't I don't wish bad on anybody anymore. No, but you were young and oh, foolish. Now yeah. you're old and foolish. Man, so one time, I'm telling you, one time, I seriously thought about, man, where can I get a grenade so I can throw it in her room while she's asleep? <laughs> <laughs> that was a really nasty girl. <laughs> I actually uh, wanted to murder her. But, you know. Anyway, so that's the, and, and the, okay, I got to say, this track to me is my favorite track on the album. Seriously? Yes, it is, it is. I this love, song, yes. I this think, song always seemed like it came off of Found All the Parts. Like, it seems like it's should have been on that. Well, that well, Ken, Found All the Parts has my favorite ballad. Uh, yeah. Take Me, I'm Yours is like my favorite cheap trick ballad. Yes. I love Such a Good Girl. I love that fucking song. Can't hold on. Oh my god. Can't hold on is amazing. You know, I, I have to wonder if this album isn't a victim of the same thing as like the soundtrack works that they did at the time or found all the parts or whatever, even one on one. It seems like if you took some of these songs and scrambled them around, you could like mix and match on different albums. Because it seems like they were a hard working road band. And then once Budokan hit, they had something. They, they, they had Dream Police already in the camp. It was recorded sitting on the shelf. So Rick still keeps writing and writing and writing and writing. So he has this backlog of material. And he could have picked and choose, chosen anything. You know what I mean? Right. But instead and he just went in and started anew. Yeah. Right. So I, I wonder, like how this album could have been different had they not had that luxury of taking that year off and you know from uh, having Budokan already in the can and still or, or not Budokan but Dream Police in the can and promoting Budokan you know it was it, it was something they weren't used to at the time yeah I guess also they were like torn like animals too you know? absolutely yeah and, and here's something to speak to their greatness uh, they were on tour with Peter Frampton this this last summer. Mm -hmm. Peter Frampton could not make one of the gigs at Red Rocks. Now, most band would just either cancel the gig, find another opening band, or just do their standard 90-minute set. What did Cheap Trick do? They played for almost three hours. Wow. Wow. Heard in a long time because they always rotate their set lists. Yes. Always, yes. Always, always. Yes. And Cheap Trick did an entire night of Cheap Trick greatness. And the set list from that, do a search, go to, you know, do a search for uh, Cheap Trick Red Rocks 2015 set list. You'll see the set list. You'll wow. be glad to saw it, and you'll wish you would have been there. Yeah, you know, that's the one advantage that Cheap Trick has now without Bunny, because uh, Bunny can't play more than 75 minutes due to his back. Are you aware of that, Ken? Well, I... <laughs> 
see, that's one of those things. That's like one of those minefield kind of things. And I know you love living in a minefield, but as someone who has a cheap trick dedicated podcast, I try to you know keep it cool with all sides. I've heard that, but I also know that there were tensions in the band. Who knows what was going on? Someday there may be this book, but Cheap Trick is one of those bands that have always been so amazingly private. Yeah, and all behind the music with them. Yeah, you'll you'll probably never see that. And it's kind of sad, but on the other hand, I don't need to know who gets along with who and who doesn't like who and who ate who's asparagus and, you know, oh, someone was sitting in my spot on the tour bus and shit like that. I want the music and Cheap Trick gives me music well that's where me and you're different ken i'm such a diva well you are (laughs) (laughs) no but but uh yeah getting back to that uh what you were saying about the set list yeah the last time i saw cheap trick uh, every time i see cheap trick it never fails they always play at least one song i haven't seen them do in years or songs i've never seen them do period and the, the last time i saw them they threw out baby loves to rock and they threw out just uh stop this game I haven't seen them do that oh, well I don't know if you're aware of this Ken 96 the summer of 96 tour did you see that where they only played songs from all shook up down did you see that score yeah where yeah. where they actually played uh world's greatest lover with um Rick oh my god that show was like they didn't play the flame man it was like I know it was so amazing it was like that was the ultimate old school cheap trick show, you know, that you can see. But uh, going back to this, I recently saw a set list where cheap tricks coming down here October 20 something. Of course, I'll be there. I really hope this is on a set list because this is one of my favorite cheap trick songs that I have never ever seen them play live. They played recently. Daddy should have stayed in high school. I've never seen them do this, and it's always been one of my favorite songs. Which has a mention on this album, that song. We'll get into that later. Perhaps. But, guys, uh, go ahead, Ken. Do you guys want to hear that Red Rock set loose? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Go, go for it. 26 songs. Wow. Hello there. Oh, Candy. Nice. Hey, guys. Look Ooh. out. Mm. Count ah. your man. On top of the world. Voices. Ain't that a shame? If you want my love, magical mystery tour, baby loves to rock. Heaven tonight, tonight it's you. The house is rocking with domestic problems. In the street, the 70s show song. Don't be cruel. Borderline. Stop this game. I'm waiting for the man, the flame. I want you to want me. Dream police. Never had a lot to lose. Surrender. Gonna raise hell. And good night. Wow. Nice. Oh, shit. See, and I've never seen them do Waiting for the Man, which I would love to because, look, I I like the song. I like the song, but I'm sick of uh, I Know What I Want Live. You know, every time I see them, they do that song. They they did uh, Waiting for the Man when I just saw them uh, last year. I I hope they have that on the set list. The time I saw them before where they played a casino, and they actually only played for a little while because the rain came down. It was outdoors, and you know they recently played some show where the stage collapsed. Yeah, up so in camp. yeah, they played Miami. The same thing happened again. I mean, the stage didn't collapse, but they didn't want a chance, and it, there was a lot of lightning that night. They played. Um, I'm looking out for number one, which uh, 
I've never seen them play with Tom, you know? And Borderline, too. You know? That is a vicious song live. I mean, I, oh, that, the vocals on that song yeah. are amazing. I love how Robin can sound like a serial killer at the drop of a hat. He can mm -hmm. sound like Wire Boy to a serial killer, just like that. Well, let's get back to the album. Okay. Can't stop yeah, it, what do you think of that drop? song? What a great song. Uh, it, you mentioned that part where the first time that we talked. Love that part. Yeah. Uh, Robin sells this. The band is on fire. Can't say a, a bad thing about this song. Ian, your thoughts on Can't Stop It, but I'm going to try by a fucking country mile the best song on the fucking album probably my top five cheap trick songs of all time absolutely love this I, I love the lyrics I love the delivery you know we've all talked about you know last time that we I mean how awesome is that I mean because you're waiting for it and they ain't gonna give it to you and I, I, I love it it's like this big tease but it's it's awesome it's almost better than if he said fuck you know it, is, it actually is yeah, you, you know, it, it, it's 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 nice. It's like, you know, it, it's almost like a chick. Like, you know, you ain't gonna fuck her the first night, but you're glad about that because you really like her. But you know, when you get it, it's gonna be awesome. And that's how this song is, by far, my favorite fucking track on the album. Well, why don't you go into the next one, Ian? All right, world's greatest lover. Holy shit, is this amazing! Now, the first time I heard this wasn't this version. It was on the Cheap Trick box set. Where it's yeah. Rick singing, right? And and I love that version. You, you know, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, you love whatever version you hear first. Yeah. You know that that's the one that usually sticks with you. And while I, I'm not gonna dog this version because I absolutely love it, I still actually prefer uh, Rick's vocal just because that's that's what I was used to. But they're both amazing. And what a what a Lennon-esque song. You know, and, and you know, you're doing a Lennon-esque song, you got George Martin producing. What could go wrong? Nothing. And nothing does go wrong. This is one one of their most amazing songs. And uh, the, I, I, I think the best thing about having uh, George Martin do this album, I, I think it all comes together perfectly. Whatever they were trying to do works perfect on this song. One of their best ballads of all time. Absolutely love it. What do you think, Ken? Well, this is going to sound weird. I want to say up front, I really love this song. But I kind of wonder if a different song would have worked better in this spot. Meaning, like, for example, something like Off One On One, If You Want My Love, You Got It. Because this song is not like a typical cheap trick ballad there's no conflict to it like for example if you listen to voices uh there's that conflict where it's like you know these voices don't seem right cool voices it was just you know it sounds like a crazy person talking you know what i'm saying and all their uh their ballads come from a like sinister place that's one of the things that a lot of cheap trick fans don't like about the song the flame because there's none of that tension there it's just a straight love song and they're not there's no real emotional connection from the band to it if you even though robin does deliver when he sings but this song to me i i dig like all i i kind of wonder if it would have made the album if george martin had not been the producer interesting well um i i want to say that you know i mean i just re i really love this song and i, I think i no i i said we saying the placement you would probably like it would have been better if they had if you want my love or something like that but 
don't know. I, I really dig this album. I think the way it begins with that weird piano, it's like off. I don't know. It's, it doesn't sound like it's going to turn into this beautiful ballad. Right, it doesn't. Uh, and what Ian was saying, he heard the Rick version first. That's why he likes it. Well, I heard this version first, and believe me, hearing Robin sing this song, I mean, I'm sorry, Rick, but there's no way that version I would I would trade for this one. This one is meant for Robin. I love the way he sings this whole damn song. And I do see kind of a correlation of this song and Need Your Love. You know, Need yeah. Your Love is like very mellow, but then it goes into You Make Me Lonely, Why Didn't You Care? Where this song, it goes into that, uh, now nah, I'm having a brain fart. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. It gets yeah. a little heavy. Uh, where, where it gets to a part where it builds and, and like yeah. really kind of gets ahead of steam going. I, I, to, to me, what I, I guess what I, I didn't really say exactly what I wanted to, so I'm going to try once again. Okay. You said that this album wasn't really critically received by your friends at the time. It wasn't, no. Because I think that at the time they thought, okay, we need a song like I Want You to Want Me, something like Ain't That a Shame, or Voices, or Dream Police. Dream Police, yeah. World's Greatest Lover is not a Voices. So in that respect, I feel that if somebody was like going, like let's say at radio or in the record company, like going, okay, we need a Voices, we need a Dream Police, you know, like Dream Police could be stopped this game, but World's Greatest Lover doesn't really let itself be that three-minute ballad, if you will. Right, and also, um, all their, uh, you know, the album's previous, uh, side one ends with a rocker. Exactly. You have, you have your, uh, um, which yes. I, I feel that should have been an album closer, but whatever. Uh, yeah. what is it, um, uh, TV Violence, which technically that is side one, not Absolutely. side A, whatever the, you know. <laughs> And uh, which the original pressing of the CD started with Hot Love, but it had, yeah. you know, suppose. And uh, what what ended aside? Oh, You're All Talk. Yeah. Uh, in color. Anyway, so yeah, that is uh, a left field. But man, you know, and another funny thing is that when I saw this tour, they played this whole album except for this song. This is the which one. Is good. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, they, they even played Go for the Throat. I mean, like, you know, you would figure that'd be one that they wouldn't play, but. Yeah. They played this whole album except for... Yeah, and then when I saw them in 96 and they played this, where, by the way, Ian, when they played in 96, Rick sang the first part. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. Rick, Rick was on the piano and he sang the first part, then Robin came in during the second verse. There but, are two homages to ACDC on this album, and one of them is found in this song, World's Greatest Song. Oh, Lover. can you tell me that? Because I'm not this aware of that. True. Jung, 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 jung. That, that is the same oh, thing as big balls. Big Check balls, it. you're right. Yeah, that, that that's what I heard, but then I never got it. But now that you said it, because it's so slow. Okay, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. Rick Nielsen is so damn clever. It's like we were talking earlier about the Gene Simmons solo album. If you listen to the solo that Rick does in the song... See you, uh, see you in your dreams. Yeah, he's playing... If, if you really listen to the solo isolate it and listen to it he's playing when you wish upon a star at the very beginning of that he's going that wah, 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 wah. you know that part uh-huh yeah wow. he's playing when you wish upon a star before he starts going wah, 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 wah. you know that kind of stuff that is wild uh just to, isolate it check it out just to get back on that for one second i know you said you disagree with me 
on. Well, just on some of the songs, some of the things I, I agree with you. On. <laughs> uh, how about Wish Upon a Star? Did you like that one? Well, here's the thing, okay? Oh. <laughs> oh. Go ahead, Ken. I think that what Gene Simmons did and what Peter Chris did, whether I like those albums or not, they both put their balls on the table. They said, we may never get to be here again. This is what I want to do. And you have to respect that. Like, I'm speaking to the good doctor right now. If you had one chance to make one album, you're going to put what you want on there. Not what you think that the record company is going to say, oh, you should do this, you should do that, right? Yeah, if I had a really good voice, I'd put Dancing Queen on my album. Well, there you go. That makes perfect sense. I, I should have known that. But... <laughs> uh, I, I love I love the heart of when you wish upon a star, not so much the performance. So I am more into it from the concept. I like the concept more than the, the delivery. I think I mentioned that when me and Ian did the yeah, broadcast. Yeah. I, think, I, I believe so too. Yeah, I said something to the effect, look, this is uh, Gene, this is very special to Gene, is why he did it, because yeah, it was his first memory of America, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, um, oh, also, one last thing I want to say about uh, World's Greatest Lover is that last part where Robin says, in my world, uh, where he yeah. hits it real high, goddamn, the fur always goes up during that part. And and the violin, and the, and I think that guitar solo is so freaking perfect. Every single note of that guitar solo is so... And then the violin, you know, comes in. Yeah. It's just I, I'm, my fur's rising right now. Just talking about it. Yeah. Let's 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 flip this some bitch over. There we are. We're on side two. <laughs> we kick it off with the high priest of rhythmic noise. Now, if if anybody that was listening to this album was lost by World's Greatest Lover or anything that they heard on side one, this song is so ahead of its time. <laughs> it's it's weird. Um, and they actually used this later when they would play part of uh, Oh Candy. They would use this as like a prelude, you know, and it's it's kind of weird to hear it if you, you can check it out on YouTube. Um, High Priest of Rhythmic Noise, again, I think that's where Darth Vader comes in. Uh, Robin Zander's voice is so great. Rick Nielsen's voice is no schlep either. And I'd rather hear that than the robot voice, if you will. <laughs> do, do you guys remember Paul McCartney's coming up? Yeah. 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 And and he put that uh, 45 out that had the live version. I love the live version. The live version was always on the radio down here. Well, here's the story behind that. Paul did this like attempt at like new wavy kind of thing. He wanted to distort his voice. Paul always tries to distort his voice. And producers keep going, no, 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 you're Paul McCartney. People want to hear Paul McCartney. So the record company said, well, we'll just flip this on the other side. Radio got it. They started playing the, you know, and they're like, no, no, we want to hear Paul. So they flipped it over, and that became the hit version, if you will. There you go. So uh, I would rather hear a little less robot noise on this, but uh, that's where we are. All right, uh, Ian? Uh, now, this is one where my opinion changed a little bit the more I listened to this song. Uh, my initial notes to this was, what the fuck? Uh, four, <laughs> four minutes and 
four minutes and 12 seconds too long. Uh, this is the reason why this album stalled like it did. But in re repeated listens, I'm still... I'm thrown off by the Mr. Roboto shit. Yeah, I love I, I love the part where you know Xander starts being like, "Get up, shut up, sit down," you know, you know that that shit is fucking awesome. I yep. love if, if if more of the song was like that, I could really get behind it. And yeah. uh, you know, and, uh, I was reading in the notes in, in the reissue where uh, Nielsen was calling this kind of like a a precursor to a industrial music. Well. Uh, I, I don't know, it's more like stabbing Westward than Ministry, because this shit's terrible. I mean, that part of it, that that robot that, you know, Kilroy was here shit. Yeah. But hidden within the song is a really fucking awesome rocker, but they just kind of fucking, you know, killed it. I, I give them an A for effort for trying something different, but man, that that robot shit, I mean, god damn, that, that's, it's, it sounds like CGI. <laughs> you know, you know, it, it's it's it, it's terrible. But 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 man, when you get that part where Robin's screaming that shit, I absolutely love it. But uh, man, it's a tale of two songs. I don't I don't know. This could be something. I I listen to it another time. I could totally change my opinion. But I hate the robot. Love the screaming. What do you think, Rob? My favorite part of the damn song is the robot. Yeah. Oh I, no. Oh, shut up. I shut disagree up. with both of you. Oh my God, the part where it goes. You look strange, that's what I like. You look strange like me. Fit to be tied a little bedtime story. Next position, please. I love that. And that one part where it kind of goes like wacky, and like, I just love that shit. And when Robin is going, don't sit up, shut up, sit down. You hear in the background, you look strange, that's what I like. It's still talking. And you know, and one of the beautiful things about the internet was you can finally figure out what they're saying in songs by looking up lyrics. I shit you not. Go look up High Priest of Rhythmic Noise. All around online, there's that one part where the robot's talking at the end and every either they skip it or some people even wrote, I don't know what he's saying there. But there's a, at the very end, he's like, I'm a little tiny plastic pills for my little plastic pills. I don't know, it's like really fucking strange, but I love, love, love this robotic thing going on. It's like, I'm, I'm kind of shy both of you don't like it, you know? Well, it, it kind of goes back to Gene Simmons' uh, doing Wish Upon a Star. This is putting your balls out on the table saying this is what I want to do. Yeah, and you know, and they brought it back with I Want Be Man, and I don't know about that. Yeah. It was like... Yeah, but see... Remember how I was saying earlier that it seems like some of these songs could have been on other things? Yeah. I Want Be Man should have been on this album. Well, it would have... I, I, I it would have made sense from the concept. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. But I, I really don't like that song. Right, I, I think that, but... The, the, there's a, I love concept albums. No, I do too. And yeah, you know, and also the little... Next position, please, they say. You know. Exactly. So it seems like Rick had like a five-year plan. He just didn't know how to put it together. Maybe put it together exactly how he wanted, you know. Who am I to, to second guess? Yeah, that? I just love, you know, when Robin's saying that, you hear in the background, forever is a long, long time. I love that shit, man. <laughs> it's just so cool to me. You know, you know, one of the things I love about doing roundtables, it never fails. 
I always get a new appreciation because you hear what someone else brings to that table. Right. And one of the great things about music is that, you know, we grew up in a time where you had disc jockeys that you were actual human beings that were playing music in your town. Yes. It's a satellite kind of thing. And like the DJ would come on and say, listen, I know this isn't a single, but I, would, I just want to play this, you know what I mean? But now we have podcasts where we're doing this kind of thing. And now, do you know what I want to do right now, Ralph? What? Bang your mother. No, I, I, no, I, I want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! Hey! Hey, hey, Ken. Ken, it was really nice having you on the show, man. <laughs> want to go listen to high priest of rhythm because it's like i need to hear this after we get done recording and we get off the mics i'm putting that song on because of you no i just want to say i don't know what you're laughing about ian at least he at least ken wants to get banged and not catch something notice he didn't mention your mom thank you hey my mom needs a break (laughs) she also needs penicillin yeah that's true we love our mothers. Yeah. <laughs> we love, I, I, we love, we love, love our Ralph, mothers. I love Ralph's mother all the time, and so can you for five dollars. Right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's that's our show there. <laughs> if you join episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, okay. Uh, are we done? Can I go into the next one? I want to start the next one. There you go. Oh, go ahead. Come oh, I love this song. And, you know, I found out many years later, Rick wrote this song about Bon Scott. Absolutely. This is a song about Bon Scott. I did not know this, but it makes sense because the lyrics, and, you know, you have to be a diehard Cheap Trick fan to know this, what this means. Uh, the lyrics says, all shook up, bent out of shape. Wasn't Johnny B. Good, but it sounded great. You know what he means by that? Yeah, absolutely. Was they... They got together with Bon Scott and Angus, and they, they you can hear it on YouTube, they played Johnny B. Good at some show. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and also, you know, from the cabaret to the highway to hell, had a monkey on his back, it was easy to tell. You know, it's yeah. like, they knew Bon, you know, was he was a rocker, man, he was a drinker, and, uh, and you know, they were friends, they were tight, they played shows together. There's a, I don't know if you saw this, Ken, there's a cool picture online where they're like in a, a in lo- what looks like a TV studio, jamming yeah. with Bon Scott. It's Cheap Trick with yeah. Bon Scott and Angus Young. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, was that filmed? And, and Rick's up in the air. He's like yeah. floating. Exactly. <laughs> He's, yeah, it's a shot where him flying in the air, like you yeah. know, like he usually does when he plays. And it and, looks like it's a TV studio. Yeah. And Tom Peterson, uh, just this last week, did an interview uh, from... Tennessee, I believe, a radio station in Tennessee, where he talked about how they played with ACDC and every other night they would like switch off who was the opening act, who was the closing act, you know what I mean? They had a really good relationship with ACDC and that that one line where uh, Rick says, uh, a a tough act to follow, not too good in your shoes, you know? They were a hell of a band to try to to, uh, compete with and you know, when you think about it, there's two bands in the history of rock and roll that had their lead guitarist dress up as little kids. Cheap okay. Trick and ACDC. Right. And you posted lyrics from this today. Yes, that was, uh, it's kind of low in the mix, what I wrote yeah. today. 
It's during the the, the, the the little instrumental part. You hear that talking. Sound like an announcer. I always yeah. got a vibe that it was like an announcer at some stadium or something. Maybe a sporting event. You hear a guy. But actually, it's very heartfelt about. And I really do feel like it goes with the concept of this album about the, about the music. Can't yeah. stop it. And, you know, can't stop the. Is it, is it, if I read that? Sure, go ahead. I'm wishing to live longer, aided by the supreme healing force of music. It is most definitely overcomes all weakening aspects of the body. I felt quite lost and distraught without those wonderful vinyl productions. I'm convinced it's an addiction too. I feel just great again. So that's what you hear. Yeah. That that voice kind of buried down in the mix. Very low in the mix. And yeah, that was something like, again, from the internet. I remember one of the first albums I, I went looking for lyrics was all shook up because... You know, a lot of shit I didn't really get, you know, and then right. reading it, I was like, fuck, especially this song, because when I found out this song was about Bon Scott, I wanted to know everything about it, because I'm a huge, huge fan of Bon Scott. Yeah. And, uh, all right, so, uh, Ken, did you talk about the song? Yeah, yeah. All right, Ian. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's about Bon. Uh, in the liner notes for the album, for the remaster, he talks about the same day that Bond died, his house caught on fire. Yeah. And he's, you know, he was in the recording studio doing this, and he said all he could think about, you know, he was like, fuck the house. He's like, oh my God, Bond died. You know, that was like number one priority. And uh, that being said, I find the song kind of filling. Uh, it, it's one of those ones, uh, you know, it's, it's a fast rocker, and I like that. I like the tempo of this song. But it, I, I don't remember it when it's over. And that's always a bad side when I listen to it. If there wasn't a hook that caught me, it's not a good side. And I was like, well, maybe I'm missing something because it's up-tempo, it's, it's really fast, I like it. But there was just nothing that stuck around for me, you know? Doesn't Side 2 seem to be kind of splintered in its direction? Yeah, I mean, uh, after this song, really. It, it almost seems to just sputter out. I, I, I really do love this song, though. This is a song that I wish would come back, because I only saw it on the All Shook Up tour. But I can I understand it's, it might be a little tough to play. I mean, that solo on there is fucking blistering. Yeah. It, 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 it's not horrible. Just to me, it doesn't have that hook that you remember. Right. And that, that's it. You know, no, I'm no, no. no. It's the hook you don't remember. Okay. <laughs> All right. I love you. I love you, Ian. <laughs> Look, it's the first time I ever said I love you, Ian, after I bash him. Yeah, there That's go. how much I love this song. Because of Bond, I forgive you, my friend. Okay, awesome. All right, so, uh, all right. Since Ian is a big Rolling Stones fan, I'll have him take this next one for obvious reasons. Mm. All right. Uh, I love you, honey, but I hate your friends. Uh, good, but not great. I, I do love the lyrics. I, I, I love the lyrics to this song. Uh, I love the sentiment. It, it, it's a good rocking song, but uh, it, it, it's not the best. I, I kind of agree with what Ken says on the second side. It starts to like, ooh, start going downhill. I, I dig it. I mean, I don't want people to think I don't like the song. I like it, but it's not great. Like, uh, you know, In Color, I love every fucking song. Dream Police. I love every fucking song. Uh, you like I, you like uh, I want you to want me that studio version. 
Oh, well, you got me there. Yeah, I hate the studio version. As a Beatle fan who loves everything on the White Album, there's no way I can slag the original version of I Want You to Want Me for having a ragtime piano. It sounds like something that, you know, could have come off Martha, my dear, or... Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. you love Revolution number yeah, 9? I, I was about to ask that, too. <laughs> well, that's a whole nother thing. Not, <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, okay. We got you, too. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Not not that you like the song, Ken, but have you ever sat through the whole thing? Oh, all the time. Really? Wow. I don't, every, think, I don't think I have. Every so often, I just put it on and, like, okay, give it to me. Whatever you got to give, let's do this. I, I, I think I've heard it all the way through... Once, maybe twice, and that's it. Let's get naked! Doesn't that part, isn't there something like Yoko comes out and says that? Let's get naked! No, she says, and and we all become naked. (laughs) And I think that she's talking about death. Hey, Ken, you are the special one. That's right. All right, Ken, uh, what do you think of uh, I Love You, Honey, But I Hate You? The Stone Swagger is very evident. I can see why you mentioned the Stones earlier. It, uh, it It's a good track. It's definitely Rick Nielsen's uh, beloved sense of humor. Uh, if you He had a t-shirt that said this, or a, one of those sweaters that said, I love you, honey, but I hate your friends, and I always thought that was cool. Uh, it, it, it's a good song. Like I said, the album starts to splinter. This is, uh, we're headed into B-side territory on this one for me. No, if, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, yeah, me too. Uh, but I really do love this song. I just feel everything before it was better. Exactly. Well, that's part of the problem, is that when you have, like, let's say six great songs, and then you put, like, B material after those, it's like, eh. Like, yeah. even, I don't care what album it is. Every art suffers for what surrounds it. Meaning that if if there's a crappy song on an excellent album, it can elevate that crappy song or make it look worse. You know what I'm saying? I, I but I do really do enjoy this song. I mean, yeah, unfortunately, I like everything before it more, but it does. It's quirky, you know. And then it has like a little drug reference. Did some toot? Yeah, we had a blow. And then you hear like a snort noise, like you know. <laughs> And also a throwback to Daddy Should Have Stayed in High School. He's yeah. 30, but he feels like 16. Yep. I love that, though. I love stuff like that. The little, hey, you know, this is a little homage to people that keep track of us, you know? Yeah, and, and weird cha-cha part in it where it's... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah, that part is like off the wall. It's like, what the fuck just happened? You know? <laughs> it's like a, another record just crashed in and stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Turn it's that like, down back to the song it's, it's the equivalent of the kool-aid guy running through the wall you know oh yeah dun, 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 dun. anyway um but it, it, i love this song i love this song but i hate ian no I'm just, okay i'm just kidding <laughs> i get that a lot anyway but yes i admit you know this is like okay it's a downgrade from everything before and then in my opinion even goes downer on the next track which I saw them play live. Yeah. That song really does capture the artwork of the album. Because it's yeah. really weird. And yeah, like you were saying before, like if you look inside the air sleep, there's a chick choking a guy. Yeah. So that's like go for the throat right there, yeah. Um it's not it's not terrible. I'm sure you guys are gonna disagree. I mean, 
I do love the little, it's like Robin Zander to me doesn't know wrong up to this point. So I love the way he sings this song. Don't call me baby. And the little piano thing going, it's weird. It's off the wall. It's not the norm. These aren't happy, fun camp songs, you know. Exactly. Uh, but uh, Go For The Throat is a great song. You know, you mentioned Robin has done no wrong. I don't think that there's anything wrong with Robin's performance on this album. Some of it is in the material. But yet, as I love that quirky bit of Cheap Trick, I, I, I wouldn't want them to be normal. Well, I'll tell you what, you take the quirky out of Cheap Trick, you know what you get? The Flame. Yeah, there you go, yeah. And I love The Flame, but... It's just not the heart of Cheap Trick. Exactly. Great, great vocal performance, but man, you, you know, he can sing the, the, the fucking phone book. Anything Robin Zander does. I mean, you listen to his singing on Manicello and then listen to the middle section of Gonna Raise Hell while he's yelling mother. It's like, God, this guy can do everything. It's mind-blowing. Why don't you go for the throat? Yeah, Ian, go for the throat. All right. Uh, second worst song on the fucking album. <laughs> What's the worst? Oh, oh, don't even tell me. I already, uh, yeah. I already... yeah. Second worst song on the album. Uh, totally forgettable. Totally forgettable. And, and once again, this is why, uh, you know, the drop off on this that I don't think you had on the first four studio albums. You know, I, I, I you know, I, I love all those. And, and, and that's a cheap trick I fell in love with. That's what I listen to the most. But I, I do listen to all areas of cheap trick. And every time they put out an album, I always go and buy it. But, uh, but man, this is like, you know, and I, 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 don't, I don't know why. I don't know if it was the turmoil, you know, with Peterson at the time or what. But, like, to me, a song like this never would have made it on the other albums. But yet it made it on here, and I'm really surprised because I got George Martin. You know, so I think this guy would be like, you know, would be the first one to tell him, hey, kids, this ain't, this ain't cutting it. You know, this ain't up to par. But for whatever reason, it made it on the album. But, uh, man, this, this total wallpaper. What's even more shocking is it made it on the set list, but World's Greatest Lover didn't. Right, right. Oh, that, that blew my mind. When you said they played every song but one song, I, I never for a second. They, they even played the last track. Yeah. Huda King, written Ugh. by Rick Nielsen and Bunny Carlos. Oh, wow, really? Bunny had something to do with the song? How shocking. <laughs> <laughs> it, there's there's one song, I remember just playing this for people and saying, check this out, because it was so absurd. This is one of those exercises in insanity that only Cheap Trick can kind of pull off. You know what I mean? And uh, who else is going to do this? And it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. Uh, the, the lyrics, oola, 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 oola. <laughs> so bizarre. It's totally Cheap Trick. Ian, your thoughts? Uh, well, this song reminds me of a lot of other songs, funny enough. And, and I'm going to run through a short list here. Uh, Revolution number nine. Uh, <laughs> In My World by Guns N' Roses. Uh, 1984 by Van Halen and Fanfare by Kiss. As what in the fuck were you thinking? This is an album, people. This is going to be out forever. I mean, really, really, this, this isn't even a Z side. This, this is fucking, this is fucking terrible. I, and I love Buddy. Buddy's one of my favorite members. 
Yep. But this this is horrible. And and Rick Nielsen said, <laughs> and then this really made me laugh. He goes, we wanted to write like a We Are the Champions type song. And this is a, no! <laughs> no, dude! This shit is, it's horrible. And I can't even believe they played it at, uh, at the Silver where they had yeah. everybody with masks. Who the king? Who give a fuck? Who want to hear this song? That's what it should have been called. Who want to hear this song? Nobody. That's the answer. Case closed. Dr- drop the mic. This shit is fucking terrible. Never should have made the record. They should have put uh, Everything Works If You Let It. This is horrible. Uh, I dropped the mic. I'm done. What do you think, Ken? Oh, Ken. Well, well, okay, Ken. I-, I will say this much. That it really did. Uh, that you, you know, you mentioned Silver, the DVD. That was so cool to see all those people in the bunny mask and the whole drum choir and everything. That was that was kind of cool. If I would have been in charge of this album, there because there were enough outtakes, there would have been something else in its place. And I would have probably played up the idea of the concept album. I'm not sure how this plays into it. I could see this being uh, part of the epilogue or something you know after like let's say the album closed and then they play this like and now there's this too you know what i'm saying but it should have been on a b-side of baby loves to rock i i, I, I wouldn't recommend who the king well, I, I haven't spoke about that my opinion on it yes. um, is i'm with ian on this it's like what the hell man and but at the same time hey man the album's over you know it's like you know I, if you're gonna end the album with something horrible or something that's just not you know something wacky like and then thank god who the king is there instead of like after can't stop it but i'm gonna try you know what i mean well not not to cut you off ralph but uh you know i've said this many times my favorite closing track is a track that is so good you want to listen to the album over again or you want to hear another album by that band I, I, I don't believe in the throwaway for the last track. I believe in something great. That oh, makes- I, I'm with you. I'm with you, but at the same time, would you rather have Who the King at the end or in the middle? I don't want Who the King. No, 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 but but if you had to. Oh, I, I, I don't know. I, I'd take the gas pipe. Okay, let's do the little closeout. We do the little closeout. And Ken, something we forgot to mention to you, and we'll give you a little time because me and Ian will do it first. We always do pick of the week, and we would like you to join in and give us a pick of the week. It doesn't have to be cheap trick, anything. You know what I mean? Like an album that you like. Album. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But you know, all I gotta say is that I I adore cheap trick. I've seen them over sixty times. I never missed them. I only missed them once. Well, no, actually, technically twice since the '79 tour because they were opening for Poison. And I'm sorry, I could, I could, I couldn't do it. You know, uh, Ian, and then we'll have Ken do his closeout, and then we'll get into Pick of the Week. Uh, of course, I, I love Cheap Trick, one of my favorite bands. Uh, I, I think I told these stories on the uh, on the In Color one, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell them again because they're great I know, stories. I know the story you're going to tell. The, the, when you met Rick, right? But, well, the first time was when I saw him at House of Blues, and I, I got so drunk. I was so excited to see him. After every song, I kept screaming Avita Zane. And finally, and I'm in the front row, and finally Rick looked down at me and goes, Avita Zane to you, my friend. And I was like, oh, okay, I better shut up. <laughs> like, I'm a little too drunk. 
I love this band. They are so underrated. Unfortunately, so many people just know the radio songs, and a lot of people are sick of the radio songs because they're jammed down your throat. But if you dig in this band's catalog, it's so vast, so incredible. I love this band. I know, you know, this is only our second cheap trick. I know we're going to have a ton more, and, and you know, the Podfather, Ken Mills, we would love to have you back again because this has been an awesome episode. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, as far as my closing thoughts on the album, love it. As much as I've said there's things I'd like to change or whatever, that's going back to what you said. The album is the album. It's it's the thing. I would have liked to have heard more of this concept or story be flushed out, but on the other hand, would I, li- would I listen to it often? You know what I mean? There's some concept albums that suffer for the fact that the concept was not that good. We all know that they are out there. I wish that they would have released Baby Loves to Rocks backed with uh, Huda King, and that's where I would have done that. And then you would have got Huda King as a bonus track later down the road. That's one thing about fans. Have you ever noticed about guys that are fans and that are collectors? Like, uh, we're, we're, we're all Kiss fans. There's this uh, Kiss DVD that came out. It wasn't uh, an official release from the band, but it was uh, Kiss Live in Las Vegas. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I have it. Yeah, yeah you have it. And it costs, what, six ninety nine to get Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh I got that Best Buy. Yeah, so you know what I'm talking about but you put it in and it's pretty good quality for you know able to get it you didn't have to get it off of videotape and then put it on DVD and all that stuff it's actually pretty darn cool for what it is but there are people who are like that is the worst release ever well it wasn't supposed to be released it was never supposed to be seen again but as a fan and as a completist I will pay top dollar for it. And if the same people who are saying, oh, it's the most horrible thing in the world, if you didn't have it, and then you had to wait for the box set to come out like 10 years down the road, you'd be going like, wow, finally I get to see this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of how I would probably feel about Huda King. It's, it's, it is absurd. It's, it's the closing of the album. Can't change what it is, but I, I don't understand why they did not use Baby Loves to Rock as a single. An incredible missed opportunity. Oh, Ken, and something we didn't talk about was uh, there is actually a Pro Shot show from this tour, uh, the Chicago Fest. Yes. Where they had Pete Camita, but it is, I mean, as far as I know, not the full show. Is there a full show of that out there somewhere? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, that's, that's and unfortunate. And here's the problem with full shows and stuff like that. You ever watch, like, a really cool bootleg, and then all of a sudden it just tracks weird? Yeah. Because people, they'll let stuff out, but they want to have the pristine copy. Right. So dub that copy, they put that weird thing in, or they'll take a couple seconds out or whatever. It's, it's them, like, saying, okay, this came from me. But this is what you have now. What well, I have. that was an MTV concert. Yeah, absolutely. And it, they didn't air the full show, so yeah, I would have loved to see like you know High Priest, you know the whole album. Man, even even Go for the Throat, I would love to see a live performance of that. Yeah, Just for the pure think, fact that I love this album. Yeah, but don't you think by the time they got to Chicago Fest that it it really wasn't this tour anymore? Okay, well there there I'm not knowledgeable. I did not know no, no, where no, on this no. tour that that show took place. I guess that was late in the tour. Well, here's the thing: a lot of bands will start out. It's 
got to think of Spinal Tap, like where they're on the road, where like they're opening up for a puppet show and right, stuff yeah. like that. Like, there's a lot of times you start out like, like let's say you and I put out an album, the Ken and Ralph album starring Ian, you know, and, and we go on tour with it, and it's like this is the tour. And the record company goes, here's your first, you know, $2,000 to get you through the week of the tour. And there's not sales to back up that 2000 All of a sudden, it stops being that tour, and it turns into the greatest hits package. So by the time that they got to Chicago Fest, it wasn't really promoting a dead album. It was just promoting Cheap Trick. I see. So maybe that was probably an abbreviated show as well. You know? Maybe. I don't know. But, um, okay. Uh, all right, so uh, that's it. Uh, now we're going to go into Pick of the Week. Ian, I'm not ready like always. Uh, okay. By the way, Ken, do you already have a Pick of the Week? Yeah, I can go right now. Okay, let's get let's have Ken go first. Go ahead. Okay. All right. There's this girl who was a, a huge Kiss fan, still is a Kiss fan, uh, Nikki from the Czech Republic. Now, this sounds like, well, what's this got to do with anything? Well, fast forward to... 2015 she's in a metal band that is from Europe and they have a new album out the name of the band is called The Agony and the album is called Dirty and Dangerous and it's pretty good and it just came out and I think you should check them out check out the single either Give It To Me or Be My Fire which I actually helped kind of do a little co-write on oh really? nice oh nice All right, cool alright Ian all right, uh, my pick of the week is very out the box and very different. It's it's not even a music album; it's a spoken word album by uh, somebody I admire a great deal, Jello Biafra from the Dead Kennedys. Yes. And uh, this is his third spoken word album. It's called "I Blow Minds for a Living," and it's an incredible, incredible album. Um, and even though a lot of the topics he talks about, you know, might make it dated. But there, there's so much stuff that is still relevant in the world today. And his epic poem, uh, Die for Oil Sucker, is just as relevant today as when it came out in 1991. And, uh, you know, some really great stories about censorship. Uh, they were very much a victim of the PMRC. And I know it's a dated topic, but there's still a lot of shit that's relevant. And uh, for all the potheads out there, there's a great uh, segment on there about what led to... Uh, weed being made illegal very interesting shit on this album uh and i i still think it stands up and you can listen to it over and over and always get something else out of it check out jello biafra i blow minds for a living all right cool my my pick of the week uh it's it's a band that's very popular but uh as they went on a lot of people every time i hear people talk about this band it's like man after the second album i don't care everything was garbage or or they, Poison? They, no, no, I, I don't like. I, they always suck to me. But um, Oasis, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a big fan of Oasis, especially Noel Gallagher. I love Noel Gallagher's recent uh, solo albums, but that's I'm gonna plug an Oasis album. And I know like Oasis diehards probably don't like it, but I love this album. It's called The Heathen Chemistry, and uh, it, it features my favorite Oasis song, Little by Little. And stop crying your eye, uh, heart out, and it's just a solid album. I just felt like Oasis was a band that really never made like a bad album, in my opinion. And I like all the layered stuff. 
I know a lot of Oasis fans just stop at the second one. Or, you know, they like later ones, but none are as good as the first two. Which I kind of disagree. I kind of like some. I wouldn't say more than the first two, but just as much. So that's my pick of the week, the Heathen Chemistry. I, now, I, I, I've got to say, Ralph, real quick. Uh, at first, I always thought you were kidding about Oasis. I always thought that... <laughs> I always thought, not that I hate Oasis. I, I right. don't. I don't know a lot. I know that, you know, I like, I love Wonderwall. I think that's an amazing song. But I always thought that was a goof with you. And <laughs> uh, and I was surprised to find out that you, you truly are an Oasis fan. Huge, that's cool. huge. I own everything they did. All their B-sides. And, you know, another thing about that band is their B-sides are most, most their B-sides are better than the tracks that appear on the albums. Agreed. You know, uh, Ken, you a fan of Oasis? Yes. All right, cool, cool. I did, I did I, not know that about you. I do have to say, well, it's it's that jangle beetle guitar. Yeah, right. You know, I'm a sucker for that. You know, and uh, I, I think that their story got kind of old. Like, who's singing this week with them? Is it which bro- are the brothers fighting again? It's something that overshadowed the music at some point. Right. Yeah. No. And and their cockiness really rubbed people the yeah. wrong way. And you know, but I loved it. I just thought it was hilarious. How Noel would say, we're the greatest band in the world and the politicians in in, uh, in, in England are doing cocaine. You know, it's like, he was insane. The best you got the best. It's from that school. Yeah, exactly. They were cocky. They were. I, I thought they were awesome, you know, what they did. And hopefully they will get back together. But trust me, Noel, uh, and that's, uh, you know, I would like to plug also High Flying Birds. I think Noel Gallagher is a musical genius. I think his solo stuff is just as good as the Oasis stuff. And uh, I stand by that. Anyway, now we're going to close out the show. But since well, we have the Podfather here, before you go, Ian, I know you well, got a lot well, of things we, to say. We got, we got, we got to do Fan of the Week before we close out. Well, okay, do Fan of the Week, and then Ken, I want you to promote your your podcast, all of them. Oh, wow. All right, all right. Well, Fan of the Week this week is DT Hunter, and he's a new guy to the to the page. But he's added a lot, man. He, he puts a lot of posts, a lot of comments, and and that's what we really look for, man. If you join the page, don't do it half-assed. Be a full-blown member. Yeah, don't and, be uh, like me. Yeah, 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 you, yeah. You're never on there. But <laughs> DT Hunter, you know, he's on there more than you. He's contributing, and uh, we appreciate it, you know. And anybody you like, you like the show, you like the craziness here. Fuck, you don't even know craziness till you come on the Facebook page. And you meet fucking Justin Childers. Now that's crazy. It's also uh, crazy when I come on your mom's face. Hello. Hey. But uh, DT Hunter, enjoy your week. You are our fan of the week. And now we hand it over to the Podfather of Ken Mills. Tell us all the ways we can check out your words of wisdom. Before Ken, you go into it, I want to say for the millionth time, it's because of Ken and podcast. That's the first thing. I wanted to do a podcast. He's been a big inspiration for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. My main inspiration. Uh, I I still listen to you guys, and I love it. So let the people know, because uh, you, you, you don't only have one. You have several. So go ahead. Well, I've been dubbed the pod father by friends and fans, and uh, I, I, I think it was KST, History Science Theater, that, that gave me that name. And uh, I've always tried to kind of help people find their way in this podcasting world. So I'm glad that, like, 
we could turn you on to something. You know what I mean? I think podcasting is great. I think that it's amazing that it's still relatively free. Uh, you know, how soon before the man steps in and takes it all away from us? You know, you know and sometimes you wonder if that's going to happen. But uh, I've always tried to advance people to get their voice out. It's like, you know, I was ribbing you at the beginning of this about Gene, your opinion on Gene Simmons' solo album. That we were watching the video of you sleeping during the one song, just <laughs> laughing our asses off. I love that song, but that was hilarious. And that's actual real footage of me sleeping, by the way. <laughs> Did I, you get eight hours of it on tape? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you know, this, check it out. I'll say this really quick. Because at the time, my girlfriend complained about me snoring a lot. And I didn't live with her, but one day I wanted to hear how bad I snored. So I put my my camera on night vision and just slept. And then I put it in my computer and you know the file, you see the audio. So yeah. you see you see when it's silent, but then you see these waves. And yeah. when I went there and I saw me snoring, I was like, holy crap, that's embarrassing. But then I go, man, I'm like a masochist. I go, this would go really cool with reviews. You know, and some people think it's fake. No, that's really me sleeping. And and, and Ralph has slept at my house, and my old lady was like, "That fucker snores." <laughs> well, that's weird because I cured my snoring problem, but I guess I snored at your house. I don't know. Maybe it's because of being too tired or something. I don't know. But I don't really snore that bad anymore. I actually had to go see a doctor about that. Did. Okay, I'm sorry to cut you off, Cam, but go No, it, it can lead to problems. That's why sleep apnea machines are, are great. Anyway, yeah. uh, but <laughs> uh, you can find us on www.podkiss.com. That's pod, K-I-S-S-T. And on that feed, you can get the Cheap Trick talk show, Cheap Talk. So you get two shows for the price one. Not only that, but you get the amazing Kiss Room with Matt Porter. So, and that's a show I'm involved with as well. And we have our Monkeys podcast, Zilch. So you can find us. You know, if if you want to find the Monkeys show, look for Monkeys podcast. We uh, we will appear. I, I love the Monkeys. I need to check that out, dude. Seriously, I'm a huge Monkeys fan. We do everything from album roundtables to dissecting, uh, you know, how the songs were written and stuff like that, to interviews with people like Bobby Hart, who was one of the best. Oh, nice. Yeah, the writer. Yeah. And even uh, Coco Dolan's Mickey's sister and uh, Davey's kids and Mike's kids, uh, the wonderful band Cersei Link, which is, if you want to check out an interesting band, Cersei Link, there's a song called Broken. Do a search for a song called Broken on YouTube by a band called Cersei Link. And I love the lyrics of this song. It kind of sums up about how it's the cracks that you see in your skin that kind of show you where you've been. It's kind of like a map to your life. And it's a really cool song. But that's uh, that's done with Michael Nesmith's son, uh, Christian Nesmith, and his girlfriend Cersei Link. Definitely worth checking out. But... Uh, we, we, we do everything from commentary to the episodes nice. to uh, album roundtables, everything. It's all covered. It's we, we, we basically will ruin it for anybody else who wants to do a Monkeys podcast. We will have done everything. <laughs> even even that song, Romoda and Sonia, something like that. Remember that song? Michael oh, Nesmith? Cruis- cruising, like Michael Nesmith. Yeah, that's a wacky video. Love that song. Yeah, yeah. I remember that before MTV, seeing that yeah. video. Good I stuff. gotta watch that again. I haven't seen that in decades. I 
what I remember there was like a muscle guy with a boom box and Michael was like sweating with shades on in a room yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right well go on so anyway that's that's where you can find us and that's where we're at and I'd like to encourage everybody to check out your stuff in case they're listening to this for the first time uh, you guys do a lot of cool stuff and you have your bands tell us about your bands because oh, there's yeah. a lot of cheap trick fans that might be hearing this for the first time tell them about combat yeah yeah well i got a band combat i got another band called thrash or die we you know we have done them in past episodes but if you're listening for the first time if you're a fan of the pod father uh yeah i am involved in two bands check them out combat and a little more well thrash or die is about thrash and combat's more traditional metal i mean but, you know, I'm a big fan of, like, you know, Cheap Trick. The Beatles, I'm fanatical with the Beatles. Same and, here. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of people have said, well, you do a Monkees podcast, you do a Cheap Trick podcast, you do a Kiss podcast. I know how much you love the Beatles. Why not? Because there are 10 million of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like a voice shouting in the wilderness, you know, nobody's going to hear. Uh, th- your band, Thrash or Die, I had to get a big kick out of the video with the puppets. Yeah, wake up, smell the thrash. Puppet yeah. version of Thrasher died. <laughs> Doctor Fuck got to be a Muppet, so yeah. I guess you can officially make love to Miss Piggy now. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm looking at him right now. He's sitting here in my yeah. living room. He but, always but freaks I, everybody you, out. If, if 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 I were you, instead of going for Miss Piggy, I would try to hit Janice from Doctor Tooth's band. Plus, you you could get to hang out with Animal, the drummer. Oh yeah, my favorite. So there you go. <laughs> Well, thank you, Ken. Thank you so much. And now Ian's going to do a couple little plugs. Well, and also, if you're in New Orleans, you know, check out my John Cafferty, the Beaver Brown Band, you know, tribute, Eddie and the Boozers. Uh, you know, we, we do uh, all your favorite songs from uh, Eddie and the Cruisers soundtrack and Eddie and the Cruisers 2. And, and because of Ralph, we, we now do that one song from Cobra that they sang too. Yeah, so. I, I, I demanded him do that. <laughs> and I'm also demanding you change the lyrics to... From the dark side uh, to on the drunk side. There you go. Guys, there is a possibility. Uh, I'll just say, we want to thank everybody for listening. There's so many ways you can check us out. Check us out on podbean.com. Check us out on iTunes. We are also on That Metal Station twice a week. We're on there Sundays at uh, 12 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursdays. Um... Check us out on the Indie Authority. We were on there at 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, again, go on iTunes. If you go on iTunes, please subscribe. Please leave a review. It means that much. We got that contest going right now where you get the personalized autographed copy of the Combat EP. And we've had two people put up reviews. What the fuck, people? But I, I know iTunes has been a lot of if a lot of people are like, hey, I left a review, it didn't show up. Let us know if you put something up. And it doesn't show. Well, we have a lot of reviews on there. What are you talking about? Well, well, no, but I'm saying lately. Since oh, okay. We, since we've announced the kind of... And I understand that people who've already left reviews can't leave new reviews. But if you haven't left one yet, put one up because this is... You know, you're going to get rock and roll history here with the combat EP. It's an amazing EP that you're going to get personalized. So, you know, give us a five-star review and, and you know, you know, tell how much you love the show. We'd appreciate that. Also, check us out on YouTube, Rock and Metal Combat, all one word. You can get all these episodes that you love with amazing visuals, pictures in the background. It's just another way to enjoy an episode that you already love. 
uh, and, and use that Amazon link. I'm so proud of the Amazon link because that's a way that the fans get something. You are going to buy this anyway. You're not spending anything more, and it helps out the show. So that's amazing. And uh, if you're not on there already, get your ass on the Facebook page because it is. It, it's complete chaos, and it's a lot of fun, a lot of great videos, a lot of great pictures, all kinds of great posts. Join the Facebook page. And if you enjoyed this episode, and we know you did, come back next week when our special guest is boxing legend Mike Tyson. Wow. Yes, Iron Mike joins us to appropriately talk about the classic S.O.D. album, Speak English or Die. Wow, this is going to be a good one. And that's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007... You've been getting Podkissed, the KISS audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your Podkissed. Every month, the Podkissed crew, along with the KISS room, brings you KISS talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great KISS fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkissed. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkissed. The Podkissed. The KISS Audio fanzine for your ears.